It is time for the roundtable here on Midday on the Real Radio Network as we get things going today. we got the gang all here. And Susan, I believe you're here, right? I am I'm there. Good. Excellent. Well, I'm not there. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. You're he, here is here is good. We're just we just glad the technology <laughs> works, right? So uh, it anyway, works. What do you got going on today, lady? Well, I tell you, we have been extremely busy in the um, farm department. I was just looking over the calendar, and we're bringing you some great stories, including the fact that if you didn't hear, the Swine Building at the Nebraska State Fair has a brand new name. So Shaley Peters is going to bring more to you about that at 1219. Then coming up at 1245, Cultivate Access. I'm just going to leave it at that. Bryce is bringing in a folks to talk about what that's going to mean to Nebraska agriculture. And then at 117, Clay has Mike Consumer Freedom on court briefs against the Missouri and California food laws that are out there. So we'll have more on that. With that's dealing with the eggs and who can raise them and how you're going to raise them to sell in other states. So some more information is coming up about that as well. So you got a lot of teasing there. You're not going to let us know at all what the swine uh, place is going to be. A hint? you give us anything on that? It is a... Um, Big cooperative. Okay. We'll leave it at that. All right. All right. Just got to tune in at, at, you know, after 12 o'clock. Leave the listeners wanting more. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Thank Jason, you. lots of going, lots of wrestling. It's a crazy time down in Omaha. Yeah, the NSAA State High School Tournament got underway a couple of hours ago with first-round action in classes B and C. Now, A and D, they'll take to the mats this afternoon at 4. Also coming up, we'll talk about the Nebraska women's basketball team. They have been road warriors for most of the year. That's a good skill to have. They have now won six straight road games in conference action, 9-0 and in true road games, as last night they went on the road and beat Michigan State. And they got all of it. Michigan played them pretty hard. That was a battle. So the Huskers continue to inch closer to a possible NCAA tournament bid. They are tied for second of the Big Ten standings. Who would have guessed that this time a year ago when they were Absolutely. struggling and they had seven wins? You've got to figure if this continues. Coach Williams stands a chance of being coach of the year in the Big Ten. You would think so. Wait, have the women and men ever qualified at the same time? That is a good question. I wonder. Yeah, yeah that, that would be something. It's been a while. The women were decent at mm-hmm. the time that the men were under Danny Nee, but we may have to do some investigating we'll, we'll do so. on that. Also, uh, coming up in sports... Uh, a lot of high school basketball will take place with sub-district finals taking place across the state of Nebraska tonight. So it is a uh, certainly a busy, busy time of the year, and we'll give you the lowdown on anything interesting that's come out of the Olympics. Okay. And the pitchers and catchers have reported, so they're breaking a sweat right now. Too. If so they have a team. If, if, if they've signed. Or if There's a lot of free agents there out there. There's a lot of guys looking for work. So talk about a guy not looking for work. How about Bob Brogan? What's going on in business? Lead stock gains in the midday trading. Uh, so we're watching the technology companies leading stocks higher. Also, uh, wholesale prices uh, rise. They've seen their biggest increase since November. Also, uh, factory output flat and uh, mortgage rates near four-year peak. Those are some stories that uh, are getting some headlines this hour. All right. Thank you very much. Let's turn it over. We're going to put a little oil on that weather tease button. <laughs> I think it's been hit too much. Uh, 
Maybe that's what it is. It just seems like uh, I have to hit it two or three times. Paul's in here as we take a look at some ag weather on 1144 here in the uh, Central Time Zone. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Uh, a little bit cooler for today. Uh, very nice day yesterday, but not quite as nice as today. But actually, our weather today closer to what we usually see for this time of year. Uh, some seasonal weather currently going right. on. Some more Arctic blasts, though, are on the way. We do have some winds that will be breezy today out of the northwest. And some cool air pushes south behind a cold front. Could see some light snow later today into northern areas of Nebraska, but not expecting to be a major event with that. Canadian high pressure with a reinforcing shot of some colder and drier air moves overhead for tonight. That'll clear the skies out for later tonight and tomorrow and leave our temperatures just a little bit cooler for tomorrow, below normal for tomorrow on the temperatures. As that area of high pressure slides southeast, at low pressure approaches from the west this weekend, we'll be in the middle and get some breezy south winds, but we will see the plus side of some warmer temperatures over the weekend. That's before another Arctic blast arrives for Sunday night. Temperatures Monday and Tuesday look to be about 20 degrees colder than normal for this time of year. And Tuesday temperatures, they may struggle to warm past 20 to the north of I-80. Could see some light snow in a few days. Temperatures do start to begin to warm up by the middle part of the week. Now, there is a change in our latest long-term forecast. It indicates this next cold spell should not last long. Temperature is the middle of next week in Nebraska and Kansas. Forecast to be right at colder than normal, but the latest trend shows near normal to warmer than normal temperatures late next week through the end of the month. Nebraska and Kansas precipitation should be right near normal for Tuesday all the way through the 28th. In the latest drought monitor that's out today, 69% of Nebraska is now drought-free. These recent snows have helped with the drought situation in Nebraska. There's just abnormal dryness south of the Platte River in south-central and southeast Nebraska. Otherwise, to the north of the Platte River, drought-free. The southern panhandle also has abnormal dryness, as does the extreme northwest and north-central part of Nebraska. All of Kansas, though, continuing to experience some form of dryness. It's abnormally dry across about the northern third of Kansas. Right along I-70 in the southeast part of Kansas, there's moderate drought. Then over the southwest and south-central Kansas, there's severe to extreme drought. This week, this has been actually the driest November to January in Kansas, dating back to 1895, and it's the fourth driest ever November to January in Colorado and Oklahoma. Very dry weather. Weather factors in the markets include a mainly dry trend the next few days in Argentina, showers across northern Brazil, some heavy rain is expected in the next several days over the Ohio Valley, and some rain chances for the southern plains. Rain chances will increase for parts of the central and southern plains. Looks like the best chances of some rain in the next few days will be across the southeast plains. Not going to be overly significant, though, to break any droughts. It will be dry and warm in Argentina through the weekend. Southern areas may see rain Sunday in the main growing areas on Monday. Those rains, though, don't appear to be significant. It will remain dry across southern Brazil the next six to seven days. That's where soybeans would benefit from a little more rain. Rain in northern Brazil will slow the soybean harvest and the planting of second crop corn. Right now, soil moisture levels remain adequate for the second crop corn in Brazil. You know, it has, uh, it's been a winter, sort of like the winters we grew up with this year. I was thinking about that as you were talking. It just doesn't quite want to warm up. Exactly. Yet. You know, you figure we've been enduring this uh, coming up on two months here because it pretty much started yeah. that first day of winter when it really got cold. Uh, we had the coldest period since 1990 from late December into mid-January. Had a bit of a brief break, but then it did start getting cold once again. And 
Yeah, we've been getting numerous snows, at least right. here in Nebraska. So it has helped with the moisture uh, That's good. count here in Nebraska, anyhow. So. That's a good thing, I guess. We've had snow on the ground since about Christmas Eve. Yeah, so. keeping that moisture locked in yep, the ground we for like the time that. being. We yeah. like that. Well, hey, where, where do you go if you're looking for weather information? Well, you can go to that weather tab at krvn.com. Very good. Thank you, Paul. That weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Dryness in the Southern Plains propels Kansas City wheat futures up sharply. It's also seeing soybeans higher and even corn is slightly higher with March up a quarter, 367 and a half. May corn unchanged, 374 and three quarters, while December is at 397. That's up a half. March soybeans trading 1022 and a quarter. May 1032 and three quarters. July 1042 and a half, all up five. November 1021 and three quarters, up one and three quarters. Chicago March wheat, 460, up four and a quarter. May 473, up three and three quarters. Kansas City March wheat, 478 and a half, up eight and three quarters. May 493, up eight and a half. Minneapolis March wheat, 606 and three quarters, up six and a half. Triple digit rally in feeder cattle brings live cattle higher. February live cattle up a dollar at 128.65. April 126.35 up 110. June is up 95 at 118 even. August live cattle 114.95 up 62. October 116.67 up 52. March feeder cattle 149.60 up 142. April 151.75 now up 132. May 152.22 up 112. August feeders, 154.57, up 117. Not the case in lean hogs, as we're a little bit under pressure today. April, 70.22, that's down 42. May, 75.85, down 57. June, 80.45, down 7. The Dow Industrial Average, though, up 189 at 25,082. NASDAQ Composite Index up 85 at 7,229. S&P 500 up 22. Farm Credit Services of America is in the crop insurance business to help keep you in business. And that's what makes us your best choice for supplemental crop insurance, too. Our crop insurance officers can advise you on supplemental insurance that can enhance your multi-peril plan. We'll evaluate how they work to manage risk so you get the optimum coverage for your money. For your crop insurance and supplemental crop insurance, talk to Farm Credit Services of America. I'm Terry Haney, Director of the Nebraska LEAD Program. For 37 years, we have been about developing the problem solvers, decision makers, and spokespersons for the agriculture industry. Applications are now being accepted for Nebraska LEAD Group 38, which will begin in the fall of 2018. The application deadline is June 15th. If you're involved in production agriculture or an agriculturally related business and want to provide leadership for the future of agriculture, we invite you to check out the Nebraska LEAD Program. For more information, call me at 402-472-6810. Tyson Foods is getting in the grain business. One grain company is saying mergers don't solve profitability concerns. And clarification comes from the national sorghum producers on the recent launch of a Chinese investigation into U.S. sorghum. That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Tyson Foods is in the process of revamping itself as a packaged foods company, 
But the meat giant is taking a page from the grain industry with the planned purchase of three Tennessee grain elevators from the Andersons, an Ohio grain and transport firm. Tyson says the facilities will provide feed for chickens at Suppliance Plants in Union City, Tennessee, as well as a new plant that's planned for Humboldt, Tennessee. Owning such facilities is an important part of Tyson's broader effort to shift its portfolios towards higher-value products like chicken raised without antibiotics. Tyson said they can work directly with local producers to get the crop varieties needed to formulate specialty feeds to increase their specialty products. In other ag news, there's been plenty of deal speculation that has gripped the ag industry with the Archer Daniels Midland, or ADM, and Glencore, both reported over the past year to have approached competitor Bungie about a deal. Bungie CEO Soren Schroeder, on the company's fourth quarter earnings call, declined to address those reports, but did tell analysts that consolidation on its own won't answer the years-long struggles among ag commodity traders. Following five successive bumper crops in North America and another potential record South American harvest, Schroeder said it's more how you operate that determines your profitability versus the sheer scale. The entire industry, and certainly ourselves, are trying to adjust to a new environment. If ADM was successful with merging with Bungie, it would then be on the scale of Cargill. However, some analysts do expect that antitrust laws could become an issue if the merger were to start. We end today with more on the Chinese investigation into U.S. sorghum. Late last week, China launched an investigation into U.S. sorghum on the allegation that the U.S. had dumped large sorghum supplies into the global market and posed countervailing tariffs on imports into the U.S. The news has concerned sorghum producers and other industry stakeholders, as China is a large trading partner with the U.S. Tim Lust, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers Association, says there's a lot of confusion as to what's happening with the investigation and offers a few points that are positive for the industry. First, this, this is an investigation, and we will diligently and fully cooperate to provide the facts on how sorghum was sold to our Chinese partners and the benefits of this market, both for our growers as well as our Chinese customers. Certainly, this is something that is a surprise to us. Sorghum farmers don't dump sorghum, and, and you know we don't unfairly subsidize sorghum in this country. We've been uh, very strong followers of the WTO process, and we're not injuring anyone in China. This was a case that was self-initiated. We'll continue to work very hard through this legal process to make sure that we have a win-win outcome on the back end. I do think that there's a couple of things that are tied to this process that, that are you know, unclear, and that is is that the market, uh, China, is, is not automatically shut off. Uh, the investigation process has just started. Uh, it often takes months uh, before these processes come to any sort of conclusion. Uh, in fact, the government has up to a year to get to a conclusion, and they can actually extend that beyond that. In the 2016-2017 marketing year, sorghum accounted for more than $865 million in exports and is on track to be over a billion dollars in the current marketing year. While China is a large trading partner, the sorghum checkoff is constantly working to open up more international markets to U.S. sorghum. I'm Clay Patton. Keep a straight row and keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, the Nebraska State Fair held a press conference to announce a new partnership and reveal some new signage on what was formerly known as the Swine Barn. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you now here on the Rural Radio Network. Aurora Cooperative has partnered up with the Nebraska State Fair, and now the Aurora Co-op Pavilion will host several swine activities during the State Fair and beyond. 
Newly named executive director Lori Cox talks about why this is a good fit. Well, I think it was a nice fit to be able to have something that had uh, maybe a little more overarching emphasis to a wide variety of publics. And Aurora Cooperative certainly brings that name uh, to the forefront. And so, yeah, it, it's probably always going to be the swine barn to all of our livestock kids. But to all the rest of the folks, if they're having a wedding reception or some other uh, gala in this building, they'll be happy to know that it's, that it's the Aurora Cooperative Pavilion. She also touches on the importance of establishing partnerships like this. What's most important about partners is sustainability and being able to ensure that they have as much of return on their investment as they do provide to us in that sponsorship. So that's the thing that we work closely on to make sure that that partnership works both ways on both sides of the fence. And any good partnership, as you well know, uh, deserves good business sense on both sides. So as they go forward, this could evolve into other opportunities for the State Fair and for Fauner Park. And we'll just have to see how this all goes as it comes. Kevin Sagehorn, Vice President of Marketing for Aurora Cooperative, says they're excited to take this opportunity to support youth programs and for their farmer owners. Well, it was a great opportunity for us at Aurora Cooperative to partner, put a long-term partnership with the State Fair and with Bonner Park. Um, what better way uh, that we can think when we think around youth development, our pa patrons and supporting them and their families, FFA, 4-H, it really comes together and culminates a lot of times in the showcase here at the State Fair. So we're just extremely excited to have the opportunity to be a part of it and enter into this long-term partnership with them. I the excitement that I think from an employee standpoint to see your name and your logo on top of the building, but more so hopefully it resonates with all of our farmer owners out there. It is you know, their equity and we put it to work here at the State Fair is an opportunity for, for them and their families again to showcase their livestock, their exhibitions throughout the State Fair um, and uh, give them a great place to, to do that. Um, it gives us an opportunity as well through farmer owner educational events to use the facility throughout the year and that's another added benefit that comes with it that uh, we can use to, to educate and to, to help our owners be more successful. Sagehorn says they'll be able to utilize this building outside of the State Fair as well. Um, we'll be able to use, utilize the building um, a couple times throughout the year for different educational events and, and obviously that's a great opportunity for our owners to learn and, and to grow their knowledge about what's going on in their operation. So. Finally, I had a chance to ask Cox since being named director back in January what she's been up to so far. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to be able to walk right in and know that you've got uh, a new partnership that I really didn't have anything to do with, but uh, as uh, the executive director of the Nebraska State Fair, I, I certainly welcome them on board. It's been a little bit like drinking from a fire hose uh, since the 19th of January, and I'm happy to do it. Those long hours are going to pay off in, in all of the things that we have been doing as a staff to uh, move this State Fair forward in rapid fashion toward a bigger and better event for all Nebraskans. Again, hearing from newly named Executive Director of the Nebraska State Fair, Lori Cox, and Kevin Sagehorn, Vice President of Marketing for Aurora Cooperative, about their a partnership just announced yesterday. What was formerly the Swine Building is now the Aurora Cooperative Pavilion. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for sports in the Rural Radio Network. Here's Jason Jorgensen.
Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the NSAA State High School Wrestling Tournament is underway in Omaha. Classes B and C got things started this morning with first-round action. Classes A and D start first-round matches this afternoon at 4. Now, defending state champions include Millard South in Class A, Omaha Scott in Class B, Valentine in Class C, and Burwell in Class D. Nasia Eliley played one of the best games of her career with 17 points, while fellow sophomore Hannah White is chipped in with 17. To lead the Nebraska women's basketball team to another road victory as last night they knocked off Michigan State 79-69. And Coach Amy Williams says it was NU's defense that was a difference. You know, I thought de- defensively we kind of locked down. I thought Kate Kane kind of set the tone because she got a couple of really big blocks there early in the second half and, and um, just kind of, I thought, um, you know, made them question a little bit more about going in there where they were really kind of dominating. She had a few blocked shots that really kind of helped set the tone. I thought Nicaea got several deflections. We just, our defense was a lot more active there in the second half. And Williams made her comments on her post-game show on the Husker Sports Network. Nebraska is now 19-7 overall, 10-3 in conference action. They're also 6-0 in conference play on the road, and it was their ninth consecutive true road victory. Despite a closer-than-expected matchup, the second-ranked Concordia women's basketball team emerged as the outright GPAC regular season champions for the second year in a row. So last night they fought off Doan 68-59. Concordia is now 18-1 in conference play, 28-1 overall. American Michaela Schifrin finally made her Olympic debut on day six of the Winter Games, speeding to gold in the women's giant slalom after several days of weather delays. She returns to the slopes tomorrow to try to become the first skier to ever defend an Olympic gold in the slalom. The 22-year-old was initially expected to chase as many as five medals, but her mother now says she won't compete in the Super G on Saturday. The combined and downhill await next week. The Nebraska softball team, who's 5-1, and one, travels to Atlanta, Georgia this weekend to take on Georgia Tech and Boston College as part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Indiana will join Nebraska. The Huskers will play both Georgia Tech and Boston College twice over the weekend for a total of four games. The first game is set for tomorrow afternoon at 3 against Georgia Tech. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Decreasing clouds tonight, lows from 0 to 15 degrees. I'm Dave Schroeder. University of Nebraska President Hank Bounds went before the legislature's Appropriations Committee to describe proposed budget cuts on the university system. Supporters urged the committee to reject the state budget cuts proposed by Governor Pete Ricketts. Proposed cuts would extend to the University of Nebraska Kearney. At UNK, the initial campus proposals include merging the College of Arts and Humanities and the College of Natural and Social Sciences, eliminating the men's baseball, tennis, and golf programs, reducing the police force by one officer to nine instead of ten, and eliminating the driver's education program. Bounds told the packed hearing room that the cuts would have a wide-ranging impact on the university, including the elimination of academic programs in geography, art history, and electronics engineering. He said it would also shutter extension offices statewide and the Haskell Ag Lab in Concord. In numbers alone, they will impact approximately 100 FTEs. They will upend dozens of lives and they will reduce the numbers of people living in our communities, buying groceries at local stores, and sending their children to our schools. Our momentum of producing 11,000 new graduates for the workforce each year will be impacted. 
We will have to work that much harder to maintain our record of returning $6 for every $1 you invest in us. We will have to retreat at the very time we are becoming a global powerhouse in feeding the world, keeping our warfighters safe, and treating cancer. Lawmakers face a projected $173 million state revenue shortfall that they need to balance this year. A garbage truck worker has died in a Lincoln accident. Police say it occurred a little after 7 a.m. this morning when the truck slid on some ice. The victim was on the back of the truck and was pinned between the truck and a tree. A Von Bush & Sons refuse manager confirmed the man was an employee. His name hasn't been released. The field of teenage candidates running for Kansas governor has grown to seven, and the latest contender isn't even from Kansas. 18-year-old Connor Shelton, a University of Delaware student from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, was inspired to enter the race when a man launched a short-lived campaign for his dog, Angus. Angus wasn't allowed to run, but Kansas doesn't have any age or residency requirements. Our app is a perfect companion to your phone. Download it free in the App Store or Google Play. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Now let's get an assessment of this livestock futures trade with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, another uh, update in a fairly strong day uh, in the cattle uh, there's some triple-digit gains in the in uh, in the cattle and the feeders. Expectations still running very high uh, that uh, we're going to see a higher uh, cash trade, uh, pro- but probably at the end of the week. That seems to be uh, uh, the consensus of what I'm hearing. That uh, the Packers probably going to hold off until Friday before he really uh, makes a move. And but. Uh, uh, cutouts were higher at noon again, and that, uh, that helps support uh, the feelings that, uh, that the Packers are going to have the room to uh, pay a higher price. So uh, we just marched along throughout the day, uh, opened higher, stayed higher all day long. Uh, the opposite for the hogs. <laughs> they, uh, they finished lower. Uh, despite the fact that uh, we're pretty well discounted with the uh, nearby April contract, uh, but everything came under pressure. Cash was weaker. Uh, we had uh, the cutouts uh, uh, up just slightly, uh, but not really uh, showing uh, signs that uh, there's much strength. The uh, cutouts actually and the hogs uh, definitely feel like they're uh, a bit tired. So the Hogs a little bit lower today, and the uh, cattle a nice day, sharply higher. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached. Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. Total cattle slaughter through Thursday has been estimated at 460,000. Compare that with a year ago, 21,000 more. Hog slaughter, 1,850,000, 154,000 more than one year ago. The Center for Consumer Freedom files an amicus brief in the multi-state challenge to ag trade restrictions, and we get a first look at it here at the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us from the Consumer Freedoms is Will Coggins, Managing Director of the Center for Consumer Freedoms. And Will, let's start by just kind of talking about what California has already enacted it as a law and what Massachusetts plans to do by 2022 that is really cause for this concern for consumers. You know, I'm sure many of your listeners remember way back in 2008, the Humane Society of the United States, you know, agriculture's big uh, nemesis, 
passed Proposition 2 out in California, and that law uh, basically tried to force uh, California egg farmers to go uh, cage-free in their production. And then two years later, California politicians looked at Prop 2 and they said, hey, you know, this law is going to be really devastating to our, our state egg industry, so let's pass a law that basically says that any egg uh, sold inside California also has to be produced in uh, a manner compliant with Prop 2. That law went into effect in 2015, and we saw a, a massive spike. According to Cornell, they did an analysis, an 18% spike in egg prices in California. And then you have Massachusetts uh, in 2016. Again, HSUS was back, and they pushed a, a second ballot measure there, similar to California's but broader. Uh, and so the, the measure that HSUS pushed said that by 2022, all eggs, pork and veal products sold in the state have to be compliant in sort of a cage-free or crate-free production method. And we'll talk to us next about the briefs that the Center for Consumer Freedom has filed now and why you're taking this to the Supreme Court. Well, obviously, a lot of states, especially in the Midwest, look at what California and Massachusetts and HSUS have done and say, hey, wait a second, this is an overreach. Essentially, you have these states trying to regulate farmers in other states. And so you have a coalition of about 13 states led by Missouri and Indiana, the attorneys general in those states, and they have filed two challenges directly with the Supreme Court. They, they had tried a similar case a couple years ago using sort of suing California in federal court in California, and what they found there was that essentially there's a lot of home field advantage with the federal court system in California. You know, your listeners may not be aware, but the the Court of Appeals out in California is uh, perhaps the most overturned Court of Appeals out there by the Supreme Court. So these, these attorneys general looked at this case and they said, hey, you know, we're really concerned about what this is doing. And under the Constitution, disputes between states can go directly to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court can hear those cases. And Will, what effects have consumers seen from these laws being imposed in California and possibly imposed in Massachusetts? And has, have you been able to tie it back to harm done to the ag producer as well? Well, you know, ultimately, the, what these laws are designed to do, because they're written by HSUS and backed by HSUS, is to raise costs on producers and consumers to discourage consumption of animal protein. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, HSUS is a vegan advocacy group, and they don't want anybody eating meat or eggs or dairy products. Uh, so keep that in mind when you look at these laws. So what we've seen so far, now obviously Massachusetts doesn't go into effect until 2022, so we haven't seen anything there yet. Um, but California is very instructive. You know, when that law went into effect in, in early 2015, um, Cornell University has did a study in 2016 saying, yeah, there is a 18% price increase that we can attribute to what California has done. So 18% price increase, according to Cornell University, and certainly that's very significant to the families in California who are on a budget. That again, Will Coggins, Managing Director of the Center for Consumer Freedom, joining the Rural Radio Network, talking about the amicus briefs just filed with the Supreme Court of the United States, challenging California and Massachusetts' potential law on how it can harm consumers as well as producers when it comes to their choices in the grocery store. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Doing Olson on the World Radio Network in a nice rally today in hard red winter wheat futures lifting Chicago and Minneapolis wheat. Soybean meal and soybeans did the same thing, and corn was fractionally higher. Joining us is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So what were the two main factors here? Well, exports and the dollar, really. The dollar down uh, again today, really against the uh, the Ray-I, which is 
you know what we kind of have to be measuring it against short term. Uh, Brazil, you know, even as prices go up here, we're uh, we're seeing you know relative competitiveness not change because we're still cheaper than they are relative to the currency swap. So that's part of it. And the export numbers this morning were good. Uh, corn, you know, almost two uh, million metric tons, which is almost eight hundred million bushels. Um, uh, which is or 80 million bushels rather, which is fantastic. We only really need to do about 20 million bushels per week through the rest of the year to get us to that point. And given that Argentina isn't really going to compete with us, it'll be another essentially 18 months until they get a crop. You know that'll be relative to where they were a year ago. So, um, given that we're 10 cents cheaper than we were at this time last year, and dollars lower, basis is starting to come in a little bit even on this rally. I think there's some upside here, and if the forecasts don't change going into this three day, I wouldn't be shocked to see some of these shorts bail out and push this price over 370, maybe even get four dollars a run on the new crop. And what about November soybeans now that we've really kind of uh, gone through resistance levels? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting to see uh, November is more expensive than March now. So you're, you're getting that inversion really picking up in the curve, and this is it. So everybody who had, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody out there attended marketing meetings and, uh, you know, watching TV, the big advice I read by everybody was to sell beans. They're going to be a massive amount. Of, well, this is your shot. This is it. You got a chance here, 1025. We get a move up to 10.30, 10.40. That's the high from a year ago. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, could be the best trade for you. Um, I, I would be very nervous here to be selling November beans uh, in, a, in a weather market like this. But, um, you know, if you have old crop on hand, it certainly makes it easier. Don't we have some marketing opportunities when it comes to puts? Puts are a good idea, actually, if you've got a lot of profit margin. You know, for a lot of guys still, though, I will tell you, puts... Especially in the in the corn markets, don't really pay. The basis is so. Well, if if we do fall back to that three sixty level, say you know December of next year, you will be paying thirty cents for a put that expires. Throwing the basis is, are you making money at that point? That's puts for me are only for making money in an uncertain market. And at this point, for beans, you maybe could make the case, but given the wide basis, you're still going to be protecting like a nine. 29.30 price point given the cost of the option. So I'm much more of a big fan of selling the futures or selling the cash and looking to re own somewhere higher. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com.